Welcome this morning. Thank you for being here. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And we are so delighted that you are with us this morning. And welcome to everyone joining us online, wherever you might be. Blessings to each and every one of you. You know, something, is, something happened that particular day when they learned, when the followers of Christ learned that Jesus was alive. I think something happened. I think hope started. When they, when they recognized that, that Jesus was alive, something began to rise within their spirits. In fact, as you look back at history and you look down through history, maybe it's a better way of saying it, Easter is a big deal. And why is it a big deal? Because the resurrection of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus is the heartbeat of our faith. And that is so very important for us to grasp this morning. One more time, the resurrection of Jesus is the heartbeat of our faith. Everything in our lives rises and falls on the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, including our hope. We just sang it a moment ago that he is our living hope. You see, hope is, and this is a definition that I created, Hope is an optimistic anticipation about the future grounded in the circumstances of the present. You see, it's difficult for us to have hope for the future when things around us just seem to be so kind of off the rails. So one more time, that definition is hope is an optimistic anticipation about the future grounded in, circum in the circumstances of the present. But you might be saying, it says, hope? Really? We're going to talk about hope? Are you kidding me? Have you been living under a rock for the last 13 months? Don't you know what's been going on in our world? How can you talk about hope? You see, this whole idea of hope, I think, at a particular time like this in history, seems a little bit hollow because there are so many present circumstances that are so very challenging. Just one, just, one th just one thought, businesses are struggling. I was at the mall the other day, and I'm standing in front of, of an empty store. And I look, across the, I look across the way, and here's another empty store. And the thought came to my mind, the reason these stores are empty is because of COVID-19, the last 13 months. And all that has happened in the lives of those business owners, the employees have lost their, their way in, in order to make a living for their families. Now we hear of new strains of coronavirus. Hope just is gone. We're still wearing masks. Relationships are strained. The loss that people have, have experienced is just overwhelming. The isolation, the uncertainty. Hope? Hope. But here's what I want you to get deep into your heart today. Don't lose hope. You never know what tomorrow might bring. Don't lose hope. You never know what tomorrow might bring. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse number 18, this is what we read. Your future is bright and filled with a living hope that will never fade away. One more time. I want you to look at it one more time. Your future is bright and filled with a living hope that will never fade away. I love that verse. It's powerful and so true. 
There was a phrase in the video, and I don't know that if you caught it. I hope you did, but I'm going to repeat it for you. Here's what was said. What it meant, and they're speaking of the resurrection. What it meant for them, it means for us. What it meant for them, it means for us. I think we can relate maybe to the hopelessness that they had experienced in in all of the occurrences of that past week. I think we can relate to that when loss occurs in our life, when there are challenges kind of pressing on us from every side, where hope just somewhat fades away, disappears, it diminishes in our life. But something was beginning in them. When they realized and recognized that Jesus was alive, hope began to blossom. It began in their life. It started afresh and new. And I would suggest that in the Easter story, in the Easter story, we learned that we can be filled with a living hope that will never fade away. And to me, that is just such an incredible, incredibly good news on a Sunday morning in April 2021. Yet before hope started in their life, before hope started, there are some realities they experienced that almost pushed hope beyond their reach. And this is so incredibly significant for us. So the first one is this. And let's just kind of look at the calendar, as it were, of that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday that we have celebrated now and culminating today on Easter Sunday. First, Friday, hope fades. On Friday, hope fades. About a year ago, I had an opportunity to participate in a two-day golf event. Now, I get to do that every so often, and I, I enjoy it. It's a, it, was for a missions, it was for a missions cause, and so that was really cool. And so we show up at the golf course all excited and ready to play golf, and it is raining like crazy. We made it through three holes, and they told us it's done. The golf course is closed. There's just, it's just too wet. You can't play. Ah, a little bit of disappointment set in, so we went back to the, to the golf shop, and here's what they did. They gave us all a receipt and said, look, guys, we're sorry you couldn't do it, but here's a receipt for a free round of golf any time in the future. You just use it at your convenience. And I went, well, that's cool. That's, you know, I wanted to play today, but no big deal. Well, then it wasn't long. It was about just a few days after that that the world closed down because of COVID-19, and that included golf courses. No, you couldn't do anything. So as things were starting to open, I thought, you know something? I got that receipt for golf. So maybe when I have a chance, I'll go out and play some golf. So I pulled the receipt out of my wallet and I looked at it and I went, what, what happened? Literally everything on the receipt had faded. I could barely read anything that was there. The barcode that was there is disappearing. The numbers that were on it, they were fading away. And I went, what? There was still some hope. There was still some hope, but it was really fading away quickly. So I put it back in my wallet, and I thought, well, you know, we'll, we'll see what'll happen. Now, in the scheme of things, that's, in the scheme of life, that's a pretty small deal. That's a pretty small deal. But think about this. Five days before Jesus was crucified, he enters the city of Jerusalem to these uproarious crowds. And here's what we read. He, he was the talk of the town. John chapter 12 says, The next day the great, a great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, 
shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the king of Israel. I mean, that's a celebration going on. There are some really good things that are happening. In fact, everybody in Jerusalem was expecting big things from Jesus, king-like things. And they're saying, it's happening. It's happening. Here it is. We've got evidence. It's all happening. Then on a dime, things turn. And that celebration, that celebration to Jesus from him being the talk of the town, now he's become the villain of villains. And literally, in just these next few hours, Jesus is betrayed he, by one of his closest friends. He is, another is denying that he even knew him. And the rest of them deserted him. He is arrested. He is sentenced. He is flogged. And he is crucified. Everything just turned on a dime. Isaiah chapter 53, we read these words. He was despised and rejected of mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. Do you see... That's what was prophesied would happen. But in the midst of all of this chaos, hope had faded away. His followers who had such high hopes witnessed Jesus die on a Roman cross. John 19 and verse 30, we read, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. You see, the week had started with such promise. It, it was, everything was so good. Just like, just like maybe 2020 had started with such promise and things just continued through the year. And now it's all gone. Everything is gone. Two of Jesus' followers, after, the resur after they'd heard about the resurrection, this is what they said. Listen to this. In Luke 24, it says, we had hoped he would be the one to set Israel free. We had hoped. You see, many of us live in that same place where we are hoping for something. But then other things change. The present circumstances change, which does what? It causes our hope to fade. I wonder this morning, has your hope faded? Life at its ever-increasing pace and complexity can wear us down and wear us out. Add to this a global pandemic, which has changed the landscape of our world forever. Things will never be the same. It's easy to imagine that hope can fade. That, think about it. As difficult as it might be right now, C.S. Lewis, this most profound thinker of the 20th century, he remarked, he said, there are far, far better things ahead than anything we leave behind. And I wonder this morning, do we believe it? Hope fades on Friday. Now we come to Saturday. And I would say that Saturday, hope disappears. Hope disappears. Now let's re I'm going to go back to that receipt in my wallet. So now the golf courses have opened, right? And I'm thinking, time for golf, time for golf. This is great. The golf courses are open. I get to get out. Yes, I can't wait. I'm so excited. And I thought, not only am I excited, I have a free round of golf. 
And I'm telling you, that, for a golfer, that's as good as it gets. So I pull out my receipt, and I open it up, and there's nothing. What was there is gone. And I learned a couple of things. I learned that the receipt paper they use is worthless. That's the first thing I learned. But something more profound that I learned is this. The longer the delay, the more hope disappears. The longer the delay, the more hope disappears. And you see, this is really the Saturday experience. Think about it. We, we, learn, we know a lot about Friday. We know a lot about Good Friday. And we know a lot about Resurrection Sunday. But what about Saturday? Easter discussions tend to skip Saturday. Friday and Sunday get the press. The crucifixion and the, and the resurrection demand our thoughts. But don't ignore Saturday. Saturday is a day that even if there is any hope for the disciples, for the followers of Jesus, for the friends of Christ, it's disappeared. It's disappeared. Here's what we know about Saturday. The scriptures are very silent. There are three things that we know about Saturday. The first one is that the opposition secured the tomb. There were rumors that his disciples would come and steal the body because he'd been talking about his resurrection. So the opposition sealed the tomb. The second thing that we learn or know about it is the disciples observed the Sabbath. We read about this in, John, in, in Luke 23, verse 56. They did exactly what the law said. They quieted themselves. They got themselves in the home and they observed the Sabbath. The third thing that we learn is that the disciples feared the possibilities in John chapter 20 and verse number 19, this is what we read. The disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. That's what we know about Saturday. There's a lot of things right there. Our Saturdays, our Saturdays can be hope crushers. The longer something continues, the longer something delays, the more that a hope disappears. You remember this phrase? I know, I know you do. 14 days, just 14 days, just 14 days. Five months later, we're saying, well, that was the longest 14 days I've ever seen in my life. The longer that hope, remember, one more time, the longer the delay, the more hope disappears. The waiting, the confusion, the uncertainty, the anxiety, the fear, the inactivity, the silence of God in our lives all contribute to a hopelessness that can seem overwhelming and impossible to overcome. Jesus is silent on Saturday. So is God. He made himself heard on Friday. Nothing on Saturday. Jesus is silent. God is silent. Saturday is silent. The day between the struggle and the solution. Saturday's silence torments us. Is God angry? Did, did I disappoint him? God knows Jesus is in the tomb. Why doesn't he do something? Or in your case, God knows your career is in the tank. Your finances are in the pit. Your marriage is in a mess. Why doesn't he act? What are you supposed to do until he does? You do what Jesus did. Lie still. Stay silent. Trust God. Jesus knew God would not leave him alone in the grave. 
You need to know that God will not leave you alone with your struggles and in your hopelessness. His silence is not his absence. His inactivity is never apathy. Saturdays have their purpose, and hear this, for his reasons, God inserts a Saturday between our Fridays and our Sundays. I'm telling you, it might seem right now that hope has disappeared, but there is a reason there has been silence. There is a reason there is a waiting. There's a reason there has been a delay. We must, net, we must accept, I love this phrase from Martin Luther King, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. Never lose infinite hope. Saturdays are filled with disappointment. And hope has a tendency to disappear. But remember, for God's reasons, for his reasons, God inserts a Saturday between our Fridays and our Sundays. And Charles Swindoll said two words that will help you cope when you run low on hope. Accept and trust. Accept and trust. Friday, hope fades. Saturday, hope disappears. Then we get to Sunday. And what do we learn? Sunday, hope starts. Sunday, hope starts. It was a 2008 film titled Vantage Point. And it's Rotten Tomatoes um, reviews. No, nah, not all that great. But I, th I really enjoyed the movie. It is a fictional story of an attempted assassination on the, pres on the president of the United States. But what makes it fascinating is how they view this fictional story through different individuals, different vantage points. And every vantage point is just a little bit different on the very same event. And it's fascinating when you read the gospel stories, when you read the stories of the resurrection, each of those four stories are just a little different. It provides us a texture and a mosaic to the story that really is very significant, very interesting. But not only do we have that mosaic in the, in the gospel stories, but we also have different vantage points of those who came to the tomb on Sunday morning, which is, again, fascinating. Look at Sunday morning, John chapter 20. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter, and the other disciple, and the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, and the other disciple outran Peter. And reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth had been, that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first went in and saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that Jesus said, that he said he must rise from the dead. Now, all three of these individuals experience somewhat the same thing, but they all view it differently. And one of the reasons for that, here's a phrase that I use probably every Easter that you just need to get into your heart. Nobody expected nobody. One more time. Nobody expected nobody. They just didn't get it. Even though Jesus on multiple occasions has said, this is going to happen, they still approached it so differently. And here's how they approached it. The first one, Mary, jumped to the wrong conclusions. She thought the body had been stolen. Well, what about Peter? 
Peter really didn't know what to think. He goes into the tomb. He sees all this stuff and he goes, I don't, I don't know what's going on. John hesitated at the entrance to the tomb and then eventually went in. And there's what we learned about John. He saw and he believed. So you have these three different vantage points, but something in common to each and every one of them. Hope was starting. Something had happened. And they're trying to get their arms around what's going on. And hope is beginning to rise in their hearts. I love that. I love that. And I love the implications for you and for me. Now, what happened on Sunday night is significant. We continue in the Gospel of John, verse number 19. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed him the wounds of his hands and his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. What Jesus did on the first Easter, hear this. What Jesus did on the first Easter is what Jesus wants to do now. For the last 13 months, most of us have been in the most challenging times of our lives. At every turn, hope faded. And then it probably for many, it just disappeared. But hear me, Easter is all about hope and it starts here. It starts now, all because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the reason, even if your hope is faded, even if your hope has disappeared, there can be hope today and forever because Jesus is alive. It is so powerful and so very true. But think about what he said to the disciples. The first thing he said when he shows up, peace be with you. Now, I would imagine being locked behind closed doors for fear, the first thing they might have done when they saw Jesus is go, what's this? Maybe their fear increased, and he knew it. And he said, peace, be still. Just, in other words, it's okay. It's me. It's okay. I, I love that. In fact, what I also love about it, Jesus says it twice. Because I think there might have been some of them sitting in that room that went, what? And he said it again. And that purposeful redundancy locked into their heart. And wait a minute, this is really him. This is really him. Hope was starting. It was rising in their hearts. And I think the promise that Jesus had made sometime earlier, in fact, it was just a couple of nights before, in John chapter 14 and verse 27, this is what Jesus said with his same disciples. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give, so do not be troubled or afraid. So he steps into their lives once again. He says, peace, peace. It's all good. I have made good on my promise. And then there's something else that happens. Not only does he offer peace, but the second thing that Jesus does, he offers them, or rather he, the, evidence, the evidence that he gives to them reinforces their hope. The peace that Jesus offers brings hope, and the evidence that he offers, what does it do? It reinforces hope. What is the evidence? Here's my hands. Here's my feet. Here's my side. 
What you saw actually happened. And I would imagine at that moment that hope that had started is now beginning to bubble even more and more and more to the top of their lives. Wait a minute. We saw all this happen. And here he is. He is truly alive. The evidence reinforced their hope. And you say, well, Gary, that's good, but I haven't had that opportunity to see Jesus so how, what is the evidence that I have? About a week later, in the, in the story of Easter, they've gathered together again, and Thomas, the first time, one of the disciples hadn't been there. Thomas is there now, and he, Thomas said this. He said, listen, guys, unless I see his hands and I see his feet and I see his side, I, I, can't, I can't believe what you believe. I can't do it. Well, Jesus shows up again, and he has a conversation with Thomas. And he said to Thomas this, he said, Thomas, blessed are you because you have seen and you've believed. But hear me this morning, whether online or here in the house today, this is what he also said at that moment. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. And that is a direct blessing upon each and every one of us. Because we can, I should say it this way, this is a better way of saying it. We do see his handiwork. We do see the evidence in the lives that have been changed. And I'm going to point immediately to each and every one of you in the room or those joining online this morning. If you know Jesus today, just look at your pre-Jesus life and see the change that he has made. There is an incredible, incredible amount of evidence as to what Jesus has done in your life. And for those this morning who may not have a relationship with Christ, look to those around you as to what their lives were and what their lives are. And the only thing that is different is because Jesus has come into their life. And I can go through a list of individuals like Allison and John and Ryan and Brad and Doug and Brenda and Maggie. Jesus changed their lives. I know what their lives were like before and I know what their lives are like after they came in contact with Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, it is significant, and it is different, and it is powerful. 2 Corinthians 5 says, anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. The past is forgotten, and everything is new. See, hope comes when Jesus offers peace. Hope is reinforced when we, when we observe the evidence. And the third thing that we learn from this is that the purpose that, the purpose that we embrace sustains hope. And Jesus gave his disciples on that night a purpose He said, go, I'm sending you. In other words, go tell somebody else about the hope that there is in Christ or the hope there is in a living Savior. You need the the need for purpose. The need for purpose in my life, in your life, and in human beings' lives is one of the defining characteristics. It's one of our defining characteristics. Human beings crave purpose. And we suffer when we don't have it. Purpose, purpose is a fundamental component of a fulfilling life. It will sustain hope. And you see, that's part of the resurrection story. Where there is something to pursue and to love, our hope is sustained. Jesus challenged his followers that night to something greater than themselves. To take that message of of the living Savior and to share that message. And in fact, some years later, one of the individuals who was at that very gathering, who was challenged by Jesus, would write these words in a letter 
to people just like us. His name was John. He said, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes. We touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This is the one, this one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. Understand this great phrase. Let your hope, let your hopes not your hurts shape your future. Let your hurts, not your hopes, shape your future. It is so incredibly important. Well, as we bring our time to a close this morning, those three thoughts. Friday, hope fades. Saturday, hope disappears. Sunday, hope starts. But there's something so significant I don't want you to miss. What I would never want to have happen is to have something start and then just stop. I want it to continue. And so I would just say it this way as we close. Monday, Monday, hope continues. Monday, hope continues. And it does because of Jesus and that he is alive. In fact, I'm wearing a little bracelet this morning that says hope continues. And when you leave today... I encourage you to pick one up as a reminder is that hope continues beyond this day because of the living Savior. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 19 says this. If only for this life, and hear me, hear God's word. If only for this life we have hope in Christ. We of all people, we of all people most are to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised for the dead. You see it from the dead. If we only have hope right now, and that's it, and we have no hope beyond today, we are to be pitied more than anyone who has ever lived. But the, re- but the fact of the matter is, is that Jesus is alive, and you and I have hope today, tomorrow, and for eternity. And what a powerful thought. You see, whether or not we find and experience hope, in this world, doesn't depend on whether it's available or possible. It is our choice, and we must choose hope. 19th century Scottish historian Thomas Carlyle, he made this statement. He says, he who has hope has everything. He who has hope has everything. You see, What Jesus did on that first Easter is what he wants to do now in each of us. If we would embrace Christ. You see, Paul would say this when Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 12. Remember, you are separate from Christ without hope and without God in the world. And if you just look at that phrase very simply and logically... You understand that without Christ, there is no hope. You say, wait a minute, Gary. Are you saying that hope is elusive and and it's something that I can't really fully grasp? That's exactly what I'm saying. Without Christ, there is no hope. Because if you just have hope for this life, it's not enough. 
we are to be pitied more than anyone. But because Jesus Christ is alive, there is hope now, tomorrow, and for eternity. In other words, hope continues. And I want each of us to experience a hope that continues. You see, where there, where there is no belief in the risen Christ, where there is no belief in the risen Christ, there is no life, nor is there any hope. The Apostle Paul would write to the Romans. He said, God, yet God raised this Jesus to life. God's Spirit now lives in you, and he will raise you to life by his Spirit. In other words, because Jesus is alive, he makes us alive. When we embrace him as Savior and Lord, as our living hope. Hope may have faded for you, or it may have completely disappeared, but Easter is all about hope, starting anew and continuing beyond today, and it can, it can. Listen to what Jesus said. He says, I am, the, I am right now resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. And look at this last question. Do you believe this? And my call to each of us this morning, do you believe this? Because if so, if your hope has faded, if it has disappeared, it can start right now as we put our trust and our faith in our living hope, Jesus Christ. Bow your heads with me. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you that you are alive, Jesus. And we honor you today. I'm grateful that in the midst of a fading hope, or when hope completely disappears, that because, that you're, because you're alive, I have hope not just for this life, if that's all, I'm to be pitied more than anyone. But Lord, there's hope beyond this life. There's hope in this life and beyond because of you. And it starts today as I embrace Jesus. Would you keep your heads bowed for just a moment? Eyes closed. Maybe you'd say, Pastor Gary, I, this year has been crazy. It's just been crazy. And I would admit, my hope has faded. My hopes disappeared. And I, I have not really embraced Christ in a way where hope could start and be sustained in my life. I want him to give me purpose. I, I want to follow that. I want to live filled with hope. And I recognize this morning that I've got to trust him. I've got to put my faith. I need to believe in him. When I do that, when I do that, Hope starts, and it'll continue beyond a day. I wonder this morning, you say, yeah, that's me. I want to have hope. It's faded, it's disappeared. I want to have hope from this moment forward, and I'm putting my trust in Jesus, the living hope. If that's you at any, at any place, you just say, I just need a reinforcement of hope, whatever it might be, but if, especially this morning, if you've not put your trust and faith in Christ, can I encourage you to do that this morning?
by just lifting your hand, I want to pray with you. Nobody's going to see that but me. I want to pray with you before we go into the rest of our celebration of Easter. If that's you today, lift your hand real quick. Or if you're online, yes, God bless you. Thank you so much. Yes, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. If you're online this morning, you can put your hands down. If you're online this morning, please let us know that you're saying, yes, hope. Absolutely. I need hope. Let us know. We want to connect with you. We want to follow up with you so that you can experience this living hope that each of us are so excited to have been able to share with you. Now pray with me if you would. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day and thank you for each and every person who's responded to you. Now everybody in the room, would you just pray this with me out loud? Jesus, I'm coming to you today. I'm putting my trust and my hope in you, the living hope. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I put my trust in you. Lord, I pray that the, fade, the fading hope, the disappearing hope, would now be diminished. And Lord, you would let hope start in each one who has responded to your Holy Spirit today. Fill us with hope and give us purpose for the days that are ahead. We give you all the praise and the thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, please?